0: Welcome to the Passive Income MD Podcast, where we talk about creating your ideal life through multiple streams of income. I'm your host, Peter Kim. If you enjoy hearing about this stuff, make sure to hit subscribe so I can bring it to you every week. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everyone. We're lucky today to have Drs. Kenji Asakura and Letizia Alto. They are well known to this community and this audience because uh, they've been featured so many times on our podcasts, our courses, and our conferences. They are the founders of Semi Retired MD, both the blog. They've got a podcast. We're going to talk about that. Their courses, and they've just been an amazing source of information when it comes to direct ownership of real estate. And so, I wanted to talk to them specifically today about how to achieve financial freedom in the quickest, fastest way possible. And they say they know how. So, hey, how you guys doing?
1: <laughs> hey, Peter. Always a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for this. For those of you people um, who may not know exactly who you are, can you give us a, a little bit of a brief primer on who you are? Talk, tell us about your blog, how you kind of got started.
1: Sure, sure. So Kenji and I are both hospitalists by training. And I guess it was about six years ago now, we actually got married and we're trying to figure out like how we wanted to build our lives. And we stumbled upon real estate when we read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and really decided that was what we were going to do. And so Kenji and I just completely threw ourselves into it. We bought, I think we got up to 12 doors that first year, and got real estate professional tax status, which allowed us to shelter our income. And then just every year, we've been completely focusing on building enough income through cash flow to be able to replace our incomes, because our goal has been to free ourselves to work in medicine how we want to. And we started our blog two years ago because we were teaching so many of our friends how to do this. And we were doing it really inefficiently. We would tell them bits and pieces of what they needed to know. And we really felt like we were doing them a disservice of not like giving them a structured way, step-by-step, to do exactly what we had done. So that's why we started our blog. And it's been growing ever since. And it's an amazing thing. It's very fulfilling. And we love the community.
0: You're a dual physician couple. I mean, why not just do that, make good incomes, and keep on doing that? Why did you feel the need to jump into something else like real estate investing?
2: Yeah, I mean, early on, uh, I asked uh, Leiti, you know, what what would life look like if there were no limitations, right? And no limitations in terms of time or finances or even where we live, right? No no limitations, right? So, so if you think about that question, then I think, you know, your your mind kind of takes you to all these different places. Like you start thinking about travel, maybe you start thinking about, you know, donating your time, opening up a free clinic, uh, going to a third world country and doing free work there, or, you know, traveling the world or spending time with your kids, right? You you kind of think about all these different possibilities, but then you have to ask your question, well, how am I gonna do all that? How am I gonna fund that, right? And so ultimately what we realized was that, you know, working full-time when we did that for a little bit, and I was also working on a startup, we're still working more than full-time. And so clearly time is probably our number one asset, right? Money is obviously one of the ways that we get more time, right? And so what we realized was that if we want to live a life with no limitations, then you know we're already going to be so limited if it's just our two physician incomes and all of the time that we spend in the hospital, right? And so we realized that early on that if we're going to free ourselves, decouple time from money, the only way to do that is to do something where we can make money more passively. I'm not saying completely passive, but more passively where we make we can make a lot more money for the same amount of time that we work, right? Or work less and make the same amount of money as two hospitalists full-time.
0: Yeah, and so why did you decide on real estate for that?
2: Even though that the two of us kind of decided on real estate uh, when we got together, I had been actually investing in real estate, uh, actually not very well, uh, using a lot of different strategies, and when we got together, you know, I already had that kind of love for real estate. Uh, Leite also loves kind of- own, I just
1: love property. She loved love property, like,
2: loves property, like, lo- yeah, owning land, owning things, you know, that type of thing. So we, dis- we just kind of decided, you know, real estate and, you know, just kind of looking at historically, um, you know, more millionaires made uh, with real estate investing, uh, saw my parents investing in real estate, not very well, but setting themselves up despite not doing it well, setting themselves up. Where they're making, you know, essentially more than my dad's salary. As a he was a he was a researcher, he was a physician researcher. He was making more from his cash flow than he was from his salary, and I could see that. And again, he was doing it so inefficiently, so poorly, but he still set himself up really nicely. And so I could see that real estate, and we could see that real estate was really, uh, you know, a great way to kind of create wealth and to create it quickly.
1: Yeah, I think I think both of us realized that we needed cash flow every single month, and that was the only way we we're going to replace our income and be able to not work full-time and so when you think about like how do you get cash flow every single month there actually aren't that many options i mean you can put money into index funds but ultimately you're needing to sell them right to get that money you can start do a startup which kenji had done a number of times but that's super risky and the odds of getting a payout are so so low and you can work four or five six years with nothing so that's not going to bring in cash flow and you're just again trading time for money There actually aren't that many things out there that give you cash flow reliably every month and that's what we realized and and
2: in significant enough quantities right where Mm -hmm. we're talking about you know you work you know x amount of hours and you get kind of an insane amount of cash flow as a result right and that's kind of the, the the key here is that what's the thing that you can essentially work less at than your clinical jobs right now and replace both your incomes and even beyond that right i mean we're at a point now where we could keep continue to add to our cash flow keep building our real estate portfolio keep exchanging our smaller properties with bigger ones right and with that bring in even more cash flow and so again if you're if it's you're, a
1: snowball effect yeah it's a it
2: snowball is. effect and again the cash flow is so key because that's the only thing that pays the bills right at the end of the day is that something that's paying you money every month. I mean, I guess another one could be like a franchise of some sort, right? Mm. That could be another one, right? Where if you can hire the right people to run that franchise, then it could just be a cash cow, just writing you a check every month, right? And you're just kind of collecting that check. Uh, Real estate kind of has a lot of those features, a lot of those benefits, but on top of that, I think it has the tax benefits. And that's one other reason why it's not just the cash flow, but we also can get tax benefits on top of it. And I think it's just a really efficient way of making money. I mean, now how quickly do you think, I mean, that's a question I'm sure you get a lot. It's like, how quickly do you think people
0: can achieve that whole financial independence status where people you mentioned one of the reasons you did it was to replace your incomes completely with cash flow from your real estate properties. Like reasonably, what can any person, especially physician who wants to get into this, like how long will that take, that whole snowball thing?
1: I think it totally depends on the physician. Um, yeah, themselves. So for sure. part of it's going to be mindset. Um, you know, there's a difference between someone who comes in and says, Hey, I want to earn 10,000 in cash flow in three years for my real estate portfolio, who, or someone who comes in and says, I must be able to leave my job in a year or two years, and I'm going to figure out a way, right, to replace my income. So I, I think number one, it starts with mindset and you aren't limited. I mean, we've seen people who are not physicians necessarily, but we've seen people who have no money, do hard money loans and do burs. Um, which is you know taking a property fixing it up taking the money out doing it again and do like 60 of those in one year and make 250,000 in cash flow but that's driven right that's having a goal and making it happen no matter what so i think it first starts with your mindset number two obviously if you have more money sitting around it's it's going to be easier in some ways right because if you come and you say okay i'm going to go invest and i have a million dollars versus i have ten thousand dollars it's going to be easier for you to build a bigger portfolio with more cash flow with that million dollars. But again, if you're not willing to hustle, like you're going to maybe achieve less than somebody who has 10,000 and hustles.
0: Yeah. What do you think doctors said in that? I mean, do you think doctors are, well, obviously they're working a lot. They do make pretty good incomes. Do you think they're uniquely positioned to do well here, or is this kind of a even more of a challenge for them to you know succeed when it comes to real estate?
2: I personally think that doctors are really well positioned to succeed. I mean, they you know, you made it through med school residency. I mean, that's a lot of hurdles and hoops, you know, and investing in real estate is is much easier in, in my opinion. I think, you know, uh, Leite would agree with that. And so learning how to be a good real estate investor again is a lot easier than learning how to become a doctor on a good doctor. So uh, yeah, so absolutely. I do think that, you know, as Leite was saying in terms of mindset, you know, the difference between and this is where most people are right in their in their in their heads most people are like well i hope i can i hope i can have enough cash flow to retire in 5 years right versus i must have enough cash flow you know to retire in 5 years i mean the difference between the two in terms of just language right just the language itself not even the mindset just the language is completely different right the person who says i must is going to make a lot more Lot, completely different decisions than the person says, who says, I hope. And the person who says, I must, is also going to put a lot more resources behind their must, this, you know, I must make it happen, right? They're going to put a lot more resources behind that. And, and so therefore, they're going to be a lot more likely to make that happen. You no, know, the other thing is, is that I think when it comes to like, okay, well, how do you do that, right? Certainly it helps to have a good mentor and a guide and you know, maybe a course to kind of teach you kind of how, how to do the strategy part of things. But the, but the one thing that, you know, that you got to do for yourself is you got to kind of make, make that mental shift to, I must make this happen. Then you implement the strategies. But then the other thing that, to answer your question, why I think doctors are really well positioned for this is that a lot of this is just problem solving. And all you have to do is just reframe the question a lot of times to, you know, I can't do this to how can I do this, right? right? How do I, I, ran, I just ran out of money. So I. Can, some people say, I can't invest anymore. I don't have any more money. But, but the question to turn that around and go, oh, how can I? How can I, make, how can I keep investing even though I've run out of money, right? And once you start problem solving, which I think you know, doctors are well positioned to be good problem solvers, uh, then you'll figure out the solutions. Yeah, what, what are some of the solutions? I'm sure that
0: people come in, I'm sure you've heard of, when people they always say look I, I just don't have the money right now or i've run out of money or it's tight as is i can't possibly you know i'm paying my student loans i'm doing all these type of things like what, what kind of things have you seen especially physicians and other doctors kind of uh you know how they've gotten creative and been able to do it
2: yeah i love this i mean it it, it right the possibilities are endless right uh, i could think of so the the most common one would be what late to you saying which is a bur the birth strategy right where you know, again, if you buy something at a a discount, and so that means that you gotta be scrappy and find that really good property at a discount, you fix it up, you rent it out, and then you reappraise it, and it's appraised at a much higher value now because you fixed it up, and then now you can actually pull your money out, you can get a loan on that property now at that higher value and pull, get your original investment out, right? And you can keep doing that over and over again, recycle that same money over and over again, and then keep building your portfolio that way, right? That'd be one way to do it. Another way could be, you know, maybe you partner with somebody, right? You partner with somebody who does have money, right? That could be another way to do it. Helots, a yeah. lot of
1: our students actually have equity in their houses that they mm-hmm. um, tap. And then a lot of people will actually just work and save up more money is another of, uh, more obvious um, What about answer.
2: 401ks, right? So if you go, well, where can I find money, right? Well, you have a lot of money locked up in your 401ks and most people would, stop themselves there right it's like there's some there's a reason why they don't want to go beyond thinking of the option of maybe liquidating their 401k or tapping into their 401k right or taking right? a
1: loan against it taking a loan which you against it until the end of the year
2: right exactly so most people again most people stop problem solving because it's like you can't touch your 401k that's the belief right that's the thought that they have so they're not going to explore the possibilities there but if you do allow yourself to kind of think beyond the 401k and go, hmm, you know, could I maybe borrow from it or could I actually even just liquidate it? right? Which is something that we did, right? But then the question then becomes, well, how do I liquidate it in a way that I don't pay a lot of penalty, right? I don't pay a lot of taxes. And that's a whole another question that you have to solve. And just like many things, these things are outable. You can solve these problems. Mm-hmm. You can figure out ways around paying the taxes, for example, on liquidating your 401k. And then the question becomes, you know, is it better for me to do that or continuing to invest in my 401k? And like we were saying earlier, you know, it doesn't matter if your 401k goes up by 30% per year, There, that's not paying the bills at the end of the day when you need it and you're furloughed and you got medical bills or you got, you know, you got to pay for rent or food. At the end of the day, your 401k growing at 20% a year is not going to pay the bills, right? And that's the reason why, you know, okay, if I take that money and invest in cash flowing rentals, that does pay the bills, right? Would that be a better decision, right? You got to, kind of think through that but you know again that's just another possible solution
1: right and a lot of our students do invest actually with student loans right because their student loans are kind of a lower percentage and they know the returns they're going to get will actually help pay off their student loans um and i re- i remember we wrote an investor spotlight and actually one of our friends she's a single mom by choice and she's actually up to 11 units now she started investing i think 3 years ago we mm-hmm. we talked her head off about it forever and so she started mm-hmm. herself and yeah, she, she's using it to pay off her student loans. So, you know, it, it, there's a different... Are, are you
0: saying that everything. she used the money instead of paying for student loans, that she applied it towards a rental property? Is that what you mean? Or did she take another yeah, loan? Yeah, so she you?
1: actually oh. ended up doing a HELOC on her home, mm. using that to buy rental properties. And then she's using that to pay off her student loans over time. Now she's
2: making a better return from her rental properties. Therefore, she's actually being be able to take that return, that money she gets out of the properties to pay off those low interest student loans. And so it was a way for her to actually accelerate paying off her student loans rather than just taking her salary and paying her student loans or taking that HELOC money and paying off her student yeah, loans. Yeah. And now
1: she's three years in. So now she has forced enough appreciation on those original properties. She's actually turning those over and going bigger. So it's really cool to kind of watch her along her process to doing it all by herself with a baby.
2: I mean, the how can I question, right? Another way could be, you know, well, and, and actually we had a couple of students do this as well, is that uh, they've actually they, they went into a burr like project, but then they realized, you know, actually, you know, we kind of need the money. So they just actually just made it a flip and you can do flipping. Right. And uh-huh. so that was one way that one couple also came up with money is that instead of holding on to it and renting it out, they just flipped it, got the money out, and then they were able to free up some money to invest. And so just again, lots of different ways.
1: Yeah. Some of our students also have um, houses that they have from residency or condos or whatever, and they're emotionally tied to them. But when they look on the cash and cash return and they realize how bad it is, a lot of them actually sell those and use the proceeds or 1031 them into rental properties too. Well,
2: what about a house hack? Sorry, sorry, I keep going here, but- (laughs) No, it uh, keeps going, this is a good example. Yeah, exactly, lots of examples. A house hack, right? You can, if you live in one unit, you could like, let's say buy up to a four unit, get a physician loan and get a very, very low down payment loan. You get a physician loan actually on it, right? You go to a commercial bank, that offers physician loans, some of them will offer a physician loan on an investment property that you live in, you live in one of the units. And that'd be an easy way for you to pick up a fourplex every year if you wanted to, right? If you have filing. a lot of
1: students actually house hacking too. And yeah. we did it ourselves actually.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, early on we did actually. Yeah. So, so why do you, why do you say that it is,
0: I mean, you have a system you call it, I think it's called, you call it a fast fire. Right. Like, what, what does that really mean? And
2: then let's dive into that a little bit. Sure. You know, FIRE is acronym for uh, financial independence, retire early. You know, I think when we think about retiring early, it is earlier than retirement age, right? Because that's what they're focused on, but it's still not, it's still kind of later on in life. You still gotta have that time to kind of save up. And so the question is, is that, is there a path where you can do this even quicker, right? Is there a path where you can do this in less than five years? And in our case, you know, we did it in a little over three, right? So is there a way that you can do that really quickly right and so that's ultimately the strategy that we used and it it's a combination of a lot of things it's a combination of cash flow it's a combination of appreciation which you force you don't hope that it appreciates you actually force the appreciation on your properties which we can talk more about Mm -hmm. you get massive tax savings by sheltering clinical income right and you also get that debt pay down, right? Where your renters are paying your mortgage. So when you combine all those things, you can, uh, you can accumulate uh, a lot of uh, money very quickly. And on top of that, when you force appreciate, then you use another tax deferral mechanism, just like your 401k called a 1031 exchange and take those properties and flip them for bigger ones. right? And you can do that in a tax deferred transaction.
1: Yeah, I'm going to summarize this. So it's called see the money. The first step is see the money, which is visualize what you want and why you want it, because that's going to get you to take the action that you need to take. The next one is get the money. And that's, that's what you're going to do when you're going to buy the property and make it cash flow and make it perform even better. So you're getting more and more cash flow out of it. And you're forcing appreciation like Kenji just talked about. The next part is keep the money, which is harvest all those tax benefits that you can harvest to keep as much of that profit to this so you can reinvest it. And the last one is expand the money, which is when you're turning over your properties using 1031 exchanges uh, or your cash out refining to take that money tax free and buy more properties. And that's what causes you to expand your empire is what we call it.
0: Yeah. So you guys did this in a quick, very, very short period of time. Like how did you learn all this stuff from the beginning? You know, I think you mentioned your father and you said, oh, he's not doing it the right way or the incorrect way or something like that. Like is there a right way and a wrong way? And then how did you end up learning kind of uh, how how to do this?
2: Yeah, that's a good good question. And maybe it's not right to say it's the right way or the wrong way. I think it comes down to uh, level of return, right? And risk. Yeah, and risk, you know, did you extract the most value out, out of the opportunity? And that's kind of what I mean, more mean by my parents did it wrong, is that they didn't extract all the potential value that that was there. And they could have expanded their portfolio a lot more aggressively and had been, been in a completely different situation if they, if they had forced that appreciation in 1031 and if they took advantage of the tax benefits, which my mom was a stay-at-home mom, could have very easily qualified for that because she actually really was doing kind of the the management of the properties. And so my dad was, you know, working as a clinical professor, so, you know, he wasn't really working on the properties. And so
1: Well, also your parents, I mean, I don't think they really understood what they were doing. They just blindly bought things.
0: Right. And they still did all right.
1: Yeah, they did. did But, you know, part of it is time. I mean, Mm -hmm. time is very forgiving, even in real estate. Like if you buy something, you know, the odds are it is going to have market appreciation. And that's why so much wealth in the country is just based on people buying their homes, because odds are, you know, you hold on to it 20, 30, 40 years. Yes, it's going to appreciate um, but we're buying properties that actually cash flow from day one, not properties that we're hoping that they're going to appreciate down the road. And this is a, actually a really like s- strong fundamental piece of knowledge that Kenji came into our relationship with because he had d- been doing appreciation. He had bu- been buying raw land and, you know, Keith Cunningham, actually, I was reading his, his book, um, the road less stupid. And he says, raw land eats, eats three meals a day.
2: <laughs> and right. it's
1: true. Raw land mm-hmm. does not make you any money. You're sitting on it and hoping it's going to appreciate it. You can sell it for a profit. But in the meantime, it's eating three meals a day. And so Kenji literally had raw land that the whole market crashed in 2008. And he held on to for an additional, like, what, 13 years paying HOA dues, paying taxes, you know, like, I mean, it was brutal. So I think he came in, he came into that relationship. Our relationship was a really strong understanding that do not bet on appreciation. And so then, along the way, we just we found mentors who had bits and pieces of our system that we eventually pieced together by talking to like CPAs, talking to agents, talking to you know every single person you can imagine meeting and networking with other real estate investors. And that's how we put together the system. But it, nobody we ever met had all of the pieces together. I think in part because a lot of people who are doing real estate are not high income professionals. So they're not really focused on the taxes. They don't really care about the taxes. But for us, it's like one of the really important things. And so once we learned that system, really kind of drove our investing.
0: Can you paint a picture real quick for people that are listening to this to understand, like, what kind of numbers are we talking about in terms of not necessarily, you don't have to say your numbers or whatever, but just paint a picture. Like, how can those tax savings really accelerate things? Because what kind of numbers, at what kind of scale are we looking at this at?
1: I mean, so we haven't paid income taxes in six years. So you can imagine what that means in terms of hundreds of, I mean, some, some years, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars that we saved
2: from our portfolio. I mean, an easy way to kind of think about it is if, you know, if one, one person makes let's say 400,000 and the other person is a real estate professional, their stay at home, stay at home, mom or dad, and they're, they're the real estate professional. Then you can create a situation where you shelter all 400,000 of that income. And let's say the taxes on that is a hundred thousand. Well, your your employer's withholding a hundred thousand, right? And then come tax time when you file, you get that entire hundred thousand back as a refund, right? And so that's what we're talking about is really a hundred thousand dollars right back into your bank account that you can use to fund the the next investment. Um, and so right.
1: And then you have compounding because mm-hmm. right. you know, this the money we got back five years ago, we reinvested into more real estate. And so now that gave us more tax savings, and now that's grown our cash flow significantly, we forced depreciation, And so again, it's a snowball yeah. effect.
2: And, then it, and let's take that a hundred thousand and see what we can do with it, right? You can put that down on a $400,000 uh, fourplex, let's say, right? And we bought one of these, right? And what we do with it is we really increase the cash flow by increasing income and decreasing expenses, right? An example of decreasing in expenses is billing back utilities, right? And in a lot of communities, you know, building back utilities might not be something that's very common, but you could be the first right to build back utilities. And the key is if you build back utilities, that means that your income and your cash flow goes up, but also more importantly, the value of that property goes up because it's considered an investment property. And that means another investor is willing to pay more for that property because it's spitting out more cash. Right. Yeah. And so now that fourplex, for example, you know, in 12 to 18 months could be worth, let's say 600,000, right? And so you put a $100,000 on a $400,000 fourplex. Now, 12 to 18 months later, imagine if it's worth 600,000.
1: You have to put right? some money into rehabbing it as well. I sure. mean, so our, I mean, that's
0: our, the whole our, concept of force appreciation that you're talking about. I think we can get into a little bit. Yeah. Um, it sounds like that's one way. What's, I mean, what are some other ways that you've noticed to been able to figure out how to uh, force appreciation. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of ways. I mean, it's a whole list of things, right? Uh, anything that can increase income or decrease expenses, right? Mm-hmm. And you can literally go line by line and think about, okay, on the income side, right? How can I increase income? I mean, this is this is where we're talking about the questions, right? You ask yourself a question. You asked about physicians. You know, are they are they you know well positioned to do this? Yes. If you're a good thinker, if you can problem solve, then you're well positioned to be a really good real estate investor. And I, I guarantee you, a lot of real estate investors they're formulaic they follow a formula but they don't think right and this is what's good, i think could separate somebody who's a really good investor from a regular investor right and so in this case right the thing the thought process is well how do you increase income right what are some other sources of income right so there might be should i charge pet rent right so some people have these rules in their head they go i'm not allowing pets well then you just missed out on a, on, a, on an opportunity to make pet income right and we also collect a non-refundable pet fee, right? At the time that they move in, because that's when you get their money, right? You get their money up front uh, and you make them pay a deposit because they're desperate to find a place because nobody else lets pets, uh, nobody else allows pets. Right. And so you kind of, you know, you know, kind of take advantage of that. And so rent, uh, pet income could be one Uh, you can uh, lease out. We've leased out garages, storage units, um, you know other other things is go find a different customer right Um, instead of renting it to a regular tenant what we did was we went out and uh, found a program a state-funded program called supported living and we provide housing for people with intellectual disabilities and they pay more and they pay all the expenses they cover all expenses so we have zero expenses right And our cash on cash return our cash flow went from 10 percent to 40 percent right just from thinking about this question how do i increase income how do I decrease expenses? And then problem solving. And we have actually a weekly meeting where we actually sit down for an hour or two every week, and we ask ourselves these questions, property by property.
1: Yeah, that's our some of our real estate hours. there right. Peter, right. you got to get Vicky into it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's gonna be tough. But, yeah, that'll be tough. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, what, what do you think? More doctors don't get into this stuff. I mean, it's funny because. I feel like now maybe it's just because the circles I'm in, it's a lot more accepted or people are talking about it a bit more. It's just, again, maybe I'm living in a real estate investor physician bubble now, but, (laughs) um, but still I would say the vast majority, vast, vast majority of physicians are like, no, I'm not interested.
2: I'm not doing it. I don't know anything about it. Like, why do you think more people aren't doing it? Uh, Well, I have my, my, opinions on that, but uh, yeah. So I, I, personally, I think a lot of it is mindset and fear, right? So Mm -hmm. it's, um, It's fear of the unknown, fear of trying something new, fear of of losing your money, fear that you don't know enough, fear you don't have the right connections, right? All these things, right? I mean, it's like people anchor on, oh, I don't want to um, have to deal with a leaky toilet in the middle of the night, right? And what they don't do is ask the next question, is that true, right? And in fact, it's not true, right? We've never gotten woken up in the middle of the night for a leaky toilet, right? So you're missing out on a whole opportunity because of your thought process, right? And what I was talking about the utilities reimbursement thing where, you know, most people don't ever even ask the question, can I build back utilities here? Because what, what typically happens is the property manager says, no, you can't build back utilities. It's impossible. Right. Can't be done. Right. And so, so immediately that gets shut down and you stop problem solving, you stop saying like, well, is that really true? Is it impossible? And, and so that's what, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, you got to ask yourself that secondary question. I think most people stop themselves. You know, they don't kind of take that next step to ask whether, whether or not something is possible, whether or not something is maybe better than their, what they're doing currently.
1: Yeah, I'm going to also hypothesize. And of course, this is, you know, a hypothesis is that a lot of us went into medicine in part because of the stability of it, right? We saw, I mean, my dad was a doc, Kenji's dad was a doc. We watched our parents always have a job no matter where they were. My dad worked internationally. There would always need for doctors. And so for me and college to think about being an artist, it would scare me too much. Like I love the certainty of being a doc and always having a job. And so I think that probably plays somewhat into this too, into the mindset of, you know, this is a little bit uncertain. It's starting your own business, right? It can be scary to people. It's once you do it, you realize like, This is not like a typical business where you're taking a ton of risk and you don't know if there's going to be any reward. You're actually buying a business, which is that property that's already operating. All you're doing is taking a business that already exists with systems that already exist. You know, property managers exist, lenders exist, all the systems exist and you're buying the property that already exists. You're not building it from scratch most of the time. And then you're just making it a little bit better. And then you're adding a ton of value to it. So I think if you don't, if you don't aren't doing it, it, it seems scary. But once you are doing it, you see how much more like lower risk it is than actually starting any other business. Yeah. And so I know that's something that would have held me back in the beginning.
2: Yeah. And your dad is a perfect example oh, of yeah. kind of somebody who is so kind of focused and driven. So a family doc, right. And was a professor, uh, you know, teaching, uh, med students, residents, um, and But so focused on his profession and, and maybe, you know, I think he was kind of, they were happy, right? They were kind of happy, satisfied with what, what they had, right? They weren't really aspiring to, you know, to build like a huge nest egg or create generational wealth, right? And so there are going to be a subset of people like that too, right? Where, you know, but what's interesting, right, is that after all the conversations that we've had with her dad and after him seeing what like our successes and what we're doing, I think I could see a little bit of this like, you know, in my younger days, if if I were still, and I I need to ask him this question, but you know, I could see the little of this, like, oh, in my younger days, if I, if I'd known you guys, you know, I might've done things a little bit different. That's, that's my sense. I don't know. I I
1: don't, I don't know about that, but I will say, (laughs) I will say that, you know, my parents got really lucky in that they didn't ever have financial, like big challenges. Um, You know, I grew up in Papua New Guinea and my dad was like, you know, the director of the hospital, like, if anything had bad had happened to my family, we had no savings. And so I said to my dad, like a couple of years ago, like, what would we have done? He's like, oh, we could have gone back to the U.S. and we could have like, gotten on Medicare. We, you know, if you got cancer, we could have gotten chemo that way. And Medicaid, like, I
2: think. Or, yeah. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That
1: was your backup plan. Yeah. <laughs> that was their backup plan. Right. It was. And they got lucky. They never needed to use that. That's true. And so I think that probably also was part of it was just they got lucky.
2: Yeah. yeah I think true. so. Same thing kind with my like father. Life, I mean, life events that, you know, yeah. it's it, it kind of spurs people into, you know, thinking about things differently. I think this is what happened with COVID a lot for a lot of people. Right. It's like, Oh man, you know, I, I, I better have a backup plan. Right. And so, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm saying, I feel the same way. Just my father's was a physician as well. And luckily he was healthy throughout his prime years and they to support his family, did well, didn't think about any other sort of investments. Um, However, his career got cut a little short. I mean, honestly, he retired before he thought he had to retire. I mean, just the hospital, the changes in policies, and just the shifting kind of economics. And he ended up retiring a couple of years earlier than he thought. And at that point, he finally realized, wait a minute, where's my income going to come from? Where's the rest of my retirement money? Where's my this? And it it was definitely stressful. And I helped him through it, a lot of it, his thinking and this sort of thing. But now looking back, he's like, I just got lucky. I mean, I wish I had started. I'm luckily... You know, now he invests in real estate because I've helped him, you know, and he uses that for a lot of his retirement account and he kind of lives off of that. But what he's like, what if I'd done that 10, 15, 20 years ago, it would have been completely different, you know, and it would have changed kind of the way the end of his career went. You know what I mean? In terms of decisions he made, Mm
1: -hmm. he had
0: to change certain jobs because of the income, you know, these kind of things. And so uh, I totally get where you're at. And so, you know, if there are any other physicians that are are listening to this and want to find out more about... Things you've talked about. Obviously, we have your blog. You guys have a podcast as well, too. Tell us a little bit about that, and then um, tell us a little bit about the course that you guys have.
2: Yeah. So our our podcast is called uh, Rich Doc Poor Doc, uh, and really, you know, the inspiration is you know Rich Dad Poor Dad, which was the book that we first read that kind of kicked this whole thing off. This is where we got the thought process about you know collecting assets, which are things that put money in your pocket, and that's kind of where real estate came in. Yeah. It, it, the cool thing about Rich Doc Poor Doc is that you know, our, our semi-retired blog is so focused on cash flowing rentals and, and really grow, growing your wealth and focused on fast fire. Um, but Rich Doc Poor doc just allows us to kind of expand and go in a lot of different directions. And really the theme of, of what we're doing in that podcast is really studying the kind of the mindset, the habits and strategies that separate a rich doc from a poor doc, right? And rich doesn't just mean money, right? Rich means, you know, friends and like, you know, relationships. Uh, having relationships and love and, and laughter and fun, right? Those are things that are rich, right? That create a rich life. And so um, so every every interview that we do, we ask that question, hey, what? how do you define rich, right? And so it's a really fun, yeah, fun podcast. Yeah, I, I
1: can't even tell you how many people have said it's like relationships or it's my family or it's right. my attitude. Right, um, right. Yeah, it, it's really cool to hear. And yeah. so it's a lot of fun because we get to interview people who we'd never get to talk to. Like to talk to Garrett Sutton was like a huge thing for me. I was so excited because we read his books very early on and it really structured our, made our whole asset protection plan out of his books and then we got to interview him on the podcast which was really fun
2: yeah that was really fun yeah mm-hmm. and then our uh, in terms of our course it's called zero Th- zero to freedom through Cashflowing rentals and again the foundation is cash flow but the thing that i always say is that cash flow is essential like you have you know you if you're going to be putting you know if you're going to have assets you it's got to be putting money in your pocket so we buy cash flowing properties but remember that it's not the the biggest component of return, right? Tax savings, forced depreciation, those things are even more important, right? But the foundation is cash flowing rentals and that's why we titled it, you know, zero to freedom through cash flowing rentals. And the other part of it is, is that, you know, zero to freedom, kind of where that comes from is, you know, you could start, you know, if you're starting with nothing, you have no knowledge. The idea here is that in this course, we're gonna help you get to a point where you're really confident to buy, buying your first property. And that's what's going to set you free, having the knowledge, because we don't hand things to you, we teach you how to do this effectively, we teach you how to fish, we don't fish for you. And so what we, we equate that to freedom, because once you have that knowledge, you're then able to replicate that and do it yourself and achieve your own financial freedom, right? And that's why it's called zero to freedom. That's awesome. Okay, how long is that course for? Uh, so uh, we're going to have course enrollments uh, coming out uh, soon. Uh, but the course lasts a total of eight weeks. Uh, And it's not just um, kind of passive learning. Uh, What you're doing every week is you're going to be actually building your team. uh, And it's really, you're going to be getting pre-approved for loans. We're going to kind of take you step by step. So by the time you're finished with the course, a lot of people have either put in offers or some may be even close to closing on their first property. It's it's really cool. We just uh, had a student uh, tell us they just bought a 60 unit apartment complex. The student Uh, went through last year. Yeah. Last,
1: no, this year. This year? Yeah,
2: it was this. Well, it, was, it yeah, it, it was this year
1: in the winter. And, yeah,
2: in the winter, and then uh, and then actually, we had another student who bought forty units three months after our course. So uh, just incredible the amount of progress people are making. That's awesome. I'm going to leave a, a link
0: for this course. It's only open, you know, once or twice a year, and um, well, at least right now. But uh, if you're interested, look for that link on the show notes. It'll probably be passiveincomemd.com/slash/zero-to-freedom. Just type that all in. Um, usually there's some goodies that we give along with that, but definitely you can check out the course. I know there's an amazing community that's built up around it as well, which is, I mean, I think a huge draw for what mm-hmm. you guys do. There's so right. much wisdom in that community and just having others to help you out and support you along the way. Mm-hmm. And otherwise um, check out the blog, semi-retired MD. There's awesome content that comes out on a weekly basis there. And uh, I really appreciate what you guys do. You're just, you're sharing so much of your information, your resources. And I've seen how so many students, including myself, I've really been able to achieve so much through it. So thanks so much, guys. Take care and keep up the awesome, amazing work. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. 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 Enjoy the show? Let me know by dropping a review in the podcast app you're listening to us in. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe. Are you part of our community yet? Join thousands of physicians who are also on this journey to creating their ideal lives through multiple streams of income. You can join us on our Facebook group, Passive Income Docs, and you can always learn more at our website, PassiveIncomeMD.com. Thanks again for allowing me to be a part
1: of your journey. See you next time.